1: way and horns 24-7 insider Jeff Howe on your live local and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn.
2: Second hour of Light the Tower on The Horn. Craig Wayne, Jeff Howe. New Daniel alongside. Coming up in a few minutes, we'll uh, visit with Greg Tepper, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, get his thoughts on going into the final week of the Texas high school football regular season across the state of Texas. Still, plenty to uh, be decided, uh, plenty to be uh, sorted out in terms of the playoffs and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, We'll have another Longhorn Notebook coming up later on this hour. Hey, uh, just a reminder, programming reminder. Tonight, Tuesday, tonight, is the first seasonal edition of Longhorn Weekly with Chris Beard. We talk Texas basketball, and it's live tonight at Pluckers, the West Campus location here in Austin at 7 o'clock. Of course, we record Longhorn Weekly with Coach Sark on Wednesdays, and uh, we'll be there uh, tomorrow as well. Tomorrow we record the program if you want to come out for that at 6.30 with Coach Sark. We do that. But tonight it's a live program with Chris Beer. We have a a couple of early season Tuesday shows. I think one Monday show. Uh, and then we'll get into our January live shows or, or our regular uh, see, regular Thursday live shows uh, when we get on uh, into January. But uh, we do have a season premiere edition of that tonight at Seven o'clock. So uh, if you're interested in coming out, seeing the show in person live, and visiting with Coach Beard and uh, enjoy some great wings, Pluckers is the place to be. And again, that's that uh, West Campus location at 2222 Rio Grande. All right. uh, Why don't we uh, go ahead and do some sharp review of the Big 12? We can do that. Where Jeff Howell was mostly correct in his freaking tech (laughs) predictions of, of. what was going to happen? I think you just guessed the one that he didn't hit on there because I know I know you didn't. Did, did you guys even pick more? I'm trying to remember. Did you pick more? There was only one Big Twelve game, wasn't there, for you to pick, or were there two? no? It
3: too K State, Oklahoma State, okay. and uh, which Tech you got,
2: Baylor. yeah. Um, so you got that one, and then and then did not get the um, the Tech Baylor game, but your analysis, however, of what you fought – Was going to happen the rest of the Big 12 did indeed transpire, did it not? And that pretty much, yeah, uh, starting with TCU
3: getting a push from West Virginia. I watched most of that game, yeah, it just seemed like West Virginia just couldn't put together that stretch that they needed to pull ahead, where like they would get a stop, then the offense would sputter, but then the offense would start clicking, and then the defense couldn't get a stop. So they never really put it together, man. TCU, that's a that's a really good team. And, that, and, you know, any road win in this league is a good win. So going up to Morgantown, getting a w, I, I'll tell you what, I really like Kendra Miller at running back. I know we talk about Max Duggan and mm-hmm. Quentin Johnson, and Tay Barber was catching passes from Max mm-hmm. Naki. He's been there so long. But uh, I really, really like Kendra Miller in that TCU run game. He averaged uh, a little over five yards of carry in that win, Craig.
2: Well... Any win in this league being a good win, if you're following that line of thinking, as Jeff just mentioned, that would include Oklahoma winning in Ames over Iowa State.
3: Um, Rock fight, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? I like the fake field goal you ran, the mm. little flip. Yeah, they tried was... that in Dallas. No, they did a different version of it. The it Dallas one, one was uh, Turk kind of flipped it over yeah. his shoulder. This yeah, one this was more of little... like a forward. Yeah, a little like forward, forward shovel. Flip. Yeah. Uh
2: huh. More mm-hmm. like
3: a traditional shovel pass. But, yeah, this was uh, – man, that, that Iowa State offense, Craig, at time, like the Texas game was the one game where they really got their stuff together. Otherwise, mm-hmm. looked really pedestrian trying to move the football. St- they're on the struggle bus on offense. Wouldn't be shocked if Matt Campbell makes a coordinator change after the year. It's
2: interesting because he was such a hot coaching name and all this. For folks who didn't know, Matt Campbell's never won more than nine games at Iowa State.
3: But it's Iowa State. Like the fact that you're the fact that he won nine games once yeah. and has them in bowl contention every year, that's won't something be this to be year. Said.
2: They're 0 5 in the league and in yeah. dead last in in the conference
3: there. I think coordinator changes on the horizon for him. Uh, Texas Tech Baylor. Turnovers. Tech turned the ball over five times. That's mm-hmm. simple as that. And I, I guess Baron Morton's a little dinged up and they kept doing the rotating quarterback mm-hmm. thing. I mean, I think they threw two pick sixes. In that game. And then yeah. Baylor? Baylor just decided at some point, you know, we're just going to run the dang ball. And, uh, man, Richard Reese, what did he finish with, 148 on the ground? Yeah. Yeah.
2: He looks good. Yeah. Uh,
3: when that Baylor run game is clicking, they can do some damage. But, yeah, that's that was a story, man. Tech just kept turning the dang ball over. Again, Texas is like the one game where Tech didn't turn the ball over.
2: Yeah. And then there's Kansas State, Oklahoma State.
3: Uh, some numbers that stand out to this one, Craig. So, uh, K-State won the turnover battle, 3 nothing. One stat that I love looking at, yards per rushing attempt before contact, 3.5 for K-State, 0.2 for Oklahoma State. Mike, I know Dominic Richardson was out, but all the stuff Mike Gundy's been talking about their run game, that stuff came to Roos. K-State, 199 on the ground, uh, almost 5.5 per carry. How about Kansas State, Craig, on 3rd and 7 plus, 13 yards per play. Wow. On third and seven-plus for the Wildcats in that game. And then Deuce Vaughn, 28 intended touches between rushing attempts and targets, 176 yards every time they handed him the football or targeted him in the passing game, 6.3 yards per intended touch for Deuce Vaughn in that game.
2: So here are your Big 12 Conference standings. TCU sitting on top of the league standings, 5-0 in the league, 8-0 overall and up to number seven in the country, yeah. Uh, CFP
3: rankings come out tonight,
2: though. Yes, they do. College football playoff rankings, uh, first ones of the season, come out this evening. Kansas State four and one. Then you have Oklahoma State three and two, Baylor three and two, and Texas three and two. Oklahoma is two and three. Kansas two and three. Tech two and three. West Virginia one and four, and Iowa State 0 oh, and five in the league.
3: West Virginia and Iowa State play each other this league, don't they?
2: Uh, they do in Ames. Iowa State could get their first conference win. Battle for the basement. There you go. Uh, Baylor is at Oklahoma this Saturday. 2 o'clock game. Tech and TCU. Uh, the game's in 4 Worth. I'd take the over in that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, Oklahoma State is at Kansas at 2.30. And then, of course.
3: With Jaden Daniels back and Oak State still beat up, that's, Ooh, I'd keep an eye on that one. Okay.
2: And then the capper Saturday night. 6 o'clock, Bill Snyder Family Stadium, Texas and Kansas State. You'll hear right here on the horn. So there it is, your sharp review of the Big 12, brought to you by Sharp Vision Modern Lacing.
3: Nice and tidy. You got that done in time to get to Tep.
2: Uh, absolutely. Somewhat on R- time. Right on the mark. Uh, he is, of course, the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Uh, I uh, get a chance to co-host with him and Aaron Hartigan. Unless it's Sarah Merrifield, like it was last Friday, but uh, uh, we'll see if Aaron's back this week. He joins us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, our weekly conversation with Greg Tepper. Do we know yet? Do, do we have? Do we have Aaron back this week? I know there's a Pelicans game, but it's it's an earlier game.
0: Do we know that yet? Yeah. I've I'm fairly certain we have, we have Aaron back, but okay. uh, I thought that Sarah Merrifield did, did, did a very nice job. She did. So, um, she did. So, you know, shout out to her. But uh, it, is, it is strange. You and I are creatures of habit. and When you look over to your left and there's somebody new there, you're like, well, what's all this then? So, uh, but, yes, yes, I, I believe Aaron will be back. I believe, as I put it through in a text, I think uh, especially since you'll be there because of the 6 o'clock kick in, uh, in, in Manhattan uh, we will be back at full strength uh, for the final regular season as we unwrap the present, uh, the, the playoff bracket.
2: Yeah. You know, I had somebody say it to me, Tep, that 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 watching you and me and Aaron on that program, they said it's like watching two old married couples. And I went, what? They said, yeah. Well, you and Tepper are an old married couple, and then, and then Tepper and Hardigan are like an old married couple. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like two old married I- couples.
0: Yeah. I gotta be real honest. I don't know how my wife feels about polygamy, yeah. but like that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's, that would then be three marriages that I'm involved in. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's uh, certainly, certainly a, a thought. Uh, I have, uh, thanks for the compliment i think <laughs> i think that means that they like i think that means that we all just kind of bicker at one another which is probably
2: yeah. true yeah 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 uh probably so um all right so here we are headed down to this and and you're right i like to refer to it as the week we unwrap the playoff package the playoff present to find out who's getting in who's getting in. is there one specific region or district or a specific race that has you more intrigued than others going into the unsettled territory of week 11.
0: So I think that kind of looking over the, uh, looking over the the landscape of Texas high school football, I think that really there's three particular districts that are uh, so, that are just absolutely wild uh, that, uh, that, that you can, you know, point to immediately. One of them, I know you guys have talked about at length of 25, 6 a and, and really, to just putting a, a bigger statewide, uh, con, you know, construct here that really is a wild situation. You do not go to second tier tiebreakers like they are almost certainly careening towards uh, there in, uh, in in District Twenty Five Six A uh, very often, and and you know I, I think a lot of it uh, Matt Stepp and I talked about it on our podcast yesterday a lot of that just comes down to just a little, a little clerical thing that I'm sure they didn't think a whole lot about whenever they first met in February, which is they probably just set the tiebreaker a little too low. Because yep. like here's the thing. If you set this thing to 17 points, we're not having this conversation. Like this is all real cut and dry. Things are a lot easier there. So that's one of the districts that I've certainly got my eye on because of, of just all the, uh, the wackiness going on there. Uh, another one that I'm really interested in is the, the absolute just, just mess that is the very top of District 10, 5A, Division 1, where you've got five teams kind of battling out for four playoff spots uh, Fullshare, Angleton, Richmond, Foster, Manville, and, and Magnolia West. We got a little bit of clarity here. I believe actually there is a situation where, uh, where Friendswood uh, could get into the playoffs as well. Maybe. Actually, wow. no, they can't. But uh, but there's just, there's so many different things going on there that make that uh, that's sort going of to make that uh, you know crazy to watch. And then staying in that kind of Houston area, I don't know what it is about Houston this year, but they've got or kind of greater Houston, they've got the the district that that is uh, finally got a little bit of clarity last week. But it's still if you look at sixteen six a, and if you if you look at it for too long, you'll get a headache. Like it is it is really convoluted where you have six teams all within. Uh, two games of one another. Uh, and they all, by the way, basically play one another in the final week with Cy Ranch, Cy Woods, Cy Falls, Bridgeland, Cy Springs, and Langham Creek, all of whom are basically playing f- with an opportunity uh, for their season here. Uh, and then there's one other that, uh, that I want to make sure I, 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 I mention, And I believe it's down there, is, is that right? Let me make sure. Steph uh, brought, up, brought up on the on podcast yesterday. And it is, it is a, a rather uh, interesting district. And it is uh, if you look at District 16, 3A Division One. And I know you're going off the board here, but 16, 3A Division One has uh, four teams. There's a 16 district. Two of the teams are 0-4 in district. You don't have to worry about them. Fendergertures Academy and, and the Mighty Red Ants of Progresso. They're un- they're winless in district. You don't have to worry <laughs> about them. There's four other teams that are all three and one in district. And they've all, like, perfectly beaten one another. And now those four teams each play one another this week. And so this is a real interesting situation there where not only, obviously, all four of these teams can win the district. All four of these teams can finish, I believe, not all of them can finish. Yeah, I guess all four of them could finish fourth in district. (laughs) It's all jumbled up. Depending on how things, so it's not only you want to go win your game, but then you're also like keeping an eye on what that other game's going because you need the right team to lose too. So it is a a, a really interesting situation there in, in sixteen three eighty one that we don't see very often. But that's one that's just it's wild and wooly between uh, Falfuria's. Let's see, Falfuria's will play San Diego and Rio Hondo will play Liferd, and those are the two games that. You you not only want to win your game, but you also kind of need to get lucky on the other game too.
2: Yeah, and no offense to the, to any of those four teams, but you wish Progresso was in there and playing foul this week, just so you could have it being the Foul Furious fighting jerseys yeah. against uh, uh, jerseys against the Progresso Marching Red Ants. I mean, that's that yeah, th-
0: look, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? it? It would be perfect, but we can't let good be the enemy of perfect. We've got enough chaos here that it's at least enough. But you're right. Well, it would be it would be nice. If we could, if we could have, uh, you know, the, the the best mascot matchup in that district uh, as well, but uh, but unfortunately, although, hey, listen. We do have a pretty good one. It's it's the meaningless game, but you got the Red Ants uh, taking on the Pride of Santa Gertrudis Academy. So, that's true. You know, you can do a little worse than
2: that. That that's true. Uh, visiting with Greg Tepper, managing editor Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Hey, I, I want to keep it in three AD one for a moment. Um, uh, it's safe to say we're probably figuring it's it's Franklin, and then and then the the rest cool. of the group there, and and of course, uh, uh, Franklin uh, is is in uh, region three. And I know we joke about. Uh, Ashley Pickles' alma mater, Lano, and I know, and it engenders the eye roll, and let's not talk about it because she talks about him too much and all that kind of stuff. How serious, though, a contender is Lano? I I look at him clearly, I think, as being the best team in Region 4. So, I mean, are they, uh, I mean, they'd have to deal, obviously, with Franklin probably in a state Mm -hmm. semifinal, but is that how you see it?
0: I don't know if I would go as far as to say the clear favorite in Region 4 only because there's there's one other team that, that, that sparks my interest, and that's Edna. Edna's an interesting team there as well. Their one loss on the year, if you go back, was that loss to Refurio, which was really the coming-out party for Refurio back then in Week 3. But since then, they've been mowing down people. Uh, but Lano's certainly in that mix. And, and one of the things that I think is very interesting about— because we, we, whenever realignment comes out, uh, you know, we kind of have to wait until like this time of year where we have enough data and we're starting to get into the playoffs before we're able to start kind of diagnosing the the how do I want to put this the personalities of each region, right? These regions of the state have different personalities, and when you take a look at 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 Franklin, uh, Franklin, you know, uh, is a team that that functionally. They were a region, they, they came out of region four last year, if you remember, but they were functionally a region three team that played in region four because they were just all speed. And then you look at region four and they are a little bit more plotting, a little bit more physical, a little bit more uh, menacing in the trenches. And that, I think, would make for not only a great potential regional final between a team like Edna and Lano, but also what would make for a really interesting stylistic clash in a potential semifinal between Franklin. And uh, and whoever comes out of that, that kind of battle royale between Lano and Edna, because they're going to take lumps out of each other. I mean, they're going to just take ice cream scoops out of one another. This is but but the thing about Franklin and what I, what I think is interesting about them is how much they have, I think, in my mind, separated themselves in three a division one. Um, I think that what you see what, where, where, you know, they've got this stable of running backs back there with Bryson Washington and then Jaden Jackson, who was, you know, uh, Bryson Washington carried the load in their win over Lorena, and then last week they turned Jaden Jackson where for like 350 and five touchdowns or something. And what makes Franklin so dangerous is they are, they're basically, they're basically like an air raid version of like a running game because they are, they just hit home runs. Like, they're so much faster than everyone else that, like, they get one seam and they're gone. And so suddenly, like, you have to play great defense for 48 minutes because every false step could be the, the, the one that costs you six points. But that's what I think makes Lano so interesting in this matchup, is in a potential matchup there, is that their defense has been very strong and they're very good up front. Very, very big and physical, and they've got a couple of playmakers that I think are going to to lend themselves to be able to challenge him. Now they're going to be, you know, in a potential semifinal if we were to get that far, they would be the the noticeably slower team. That's in large part thanks to how fast Franklin is. But we talk about how, especially this time of year, and when, we, especially when we get deeper in the playoffs, how Styles make fights. That would be a really interesting stylistic clash between uh, potentially Lano or Edna and then uh, a team like Franklin.
3: All right, Tep, two teams from the periphery of our Fairburg I want to get your take on. One is Liberty Hill, who we haven't talked a ton about them. They've got that early loss to Hutto, and they've been rolling ever since. And then Lexington, they're in your state rankings in 3A Division 2 They're undefeated, just shut out a good Rodgers team, and they've won their district games by a combined score of 157-13. to 13. Your take right now on Liberty Hill and Lexington.
0: Yeah, so Liberty Hill is, is an intriguing squad that I think it, it, really, it really is a little bit of a Rorschach test on like what you value in a state championship contender. And make them wish, I mean, Liberty Hill played for a title last year. They're undefeated, or 8-1, rather. They're going to win their district, uh, and they are a, a state title contender. Um, I think that this defense is a little bit Worse than it was last year. Now that's that's a, an, an, an unfair bar, admittedly. Um, I also I, I do think the offense is real is is humming right now, although they're doing it against some relatively kind of overmatched opponents. Um, you know, like Bastrop, and, and they're just a lot better than them. I like this team. Uh, I think they are, in my opinion. I mean, really, depending on what you think of a team uh, like Alamo Heights, I would say that they are the clear favorite in, in Region Four, um, but a uh, semifinal against a team like Fort Ben Marshall, or or maybe a team like Montgomery Lake Creek, um, you know, or LBJ. I think they they might enter that game as underdogs, but of course their style makes them a problem in the playoffs as well. Lexington is a team we probably haven't talked enough about this year. Uh, at nine and zero, they're they're almost they're they're probably going to be 10 to to spoil a pick of mine. Um, I think they're going to beat Buffalo this week. That win last week over Rodgers is a real gutty win and I think it's really indicative of what like what makes dangerous or what makes Lexington rather really dangerous which is that their defense is nasty. Their defense is really really talented and they are a really the the other uh, scary thing about them is that they are really young. They're rolling a freshman quarterback out there. Case Evans has been really good. He's he's shown some signs of being a freshman at times, but it hasn't cost them. They've got a, a, a bevy of run running backs back there who are all almost all underclassmen. This team is really really interesting, especially when you take a look at kind of the Region Four landscape. Now, at some point, you'd have to get through a team like Post, who I think looks like maybe the class of Region Four, but at the same time, it's like Lexington has has taken on all comers, and that you know, especially in the playoffs. Like defense travels. Defense travels. You you, you don't have to you, you have to worry about whether or not a four hundred yard passer is gonna walk off the bus, but you don't have to worry about whether or not a defense is gonna walk off the bus. I think Lexington is, is really dangerous there in region four of three A Division two once they get there and, uh, and and has an opportunity to make a real deep run. Uh, you know, Kirk Mull's got that, that defense really humming right now.
2: All right, let me let me keep it in region four but jump classifications to four A D two. And and here's where I'm going with this. Uh, there are two districts that include greater Austin area schools that are in two completely different regions, which by the way isn 't that uncommon it 's happened in uh, both divisions of five a i 'm telling you the dream for a lot of people would be a st- in these parts would be a state semifinal in five a division two between Liberty Hill and lbj. That would be an awful mm-hmm. lot of fun if it happened but uh, but let me ask you about another one. In District 12, Cuero looks like the runaway that they are. They're, they're going to be the runaway. You, you could, by the way, conceivably have a three-way tie for third and fourth with Gonzalez, Smithville, and Giddings there. You could. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you could have a three-way tie for second with LaGrange, Gonzalez, and Smithville, although I think Quero will handle its business against LaGrange. Um, so strength of Cuero, Region 3. Then Region 4, we're going to have Doug Warren on the show Friday night to talk about his Wimberley Texans, and, and they're playing Achieve, which, Snoop, to let him know, the uh, computer has uh, Wimberley uh, by 91 against Achieve. Just Very jerky. You see, he, Snoop thinks the computer is a jerk. You know Jerry no. Forrest. He is not a jerk, right?
0: I'll talk to the computer.
2: Okay, all right. Thank you, <laughs> So, anyway, your thoughts on Wimberley and then on Quero, which could be a potential Final Four matchup.
0: Yeah, so so Quero, I think you're right. They've got to be the favorite in Region 3. I don't really – I mean, Belleville lurks. Like, Belleville's an interesting team. And, and then actually – Silby. Actually – Silsby I mean uh, yesterday on our podcast Matt Stepp said you think Silsby's playing for a title he likes wow. what they're doing've they've got they've got Draylen Miller they, they are they're rolling right now and a big game this week against Jasper uh, and coach Kendra Cromedy at Jasper has done a great job there. Uh, but Quir- I would say right now Quare is my favorite in region three but that is a pretty tough uh, road to hoe for them. Uh, Wimberley looks like a more clear favorite in region Four simply because I think region four is also lighter, but also a credit to what Wimberley does now. Now I do have some misgivings about, about Wimberley, which is that they like the, the difference between how they play against teams that they are about at that, that they're on par with them and the, the way that they play against teams that they're way better than is that's a pretty wide gap. And it's, it's interesting that I don't, I don't want to say that they, like, that, what, what I'm, here's what I'm saying. When they're big favorites, when they play Main or New Tech, they put it on Main or New Tech, man. Like, like they, they, they blow them out of the water. When they play San Antonio Piper back in week two, they put it on San Antonio Piper, right? Then when they play Lago Vista, it's a three-point game. First-year
2: 4A the- program, too, for Lago, stepping up to 4A this year for the first time.
0: Yeah. When they play Navarro, it's a Touchdown game when they play Fredericksburg, it's a field goal game when they play Passes, it's a ten point game. Like, I'm not, and look, those are good wins, and those are those are quality opponents. But I also think that there are tougher opponents down the road. And if the if the margins are that uh, that small against a team against teams that are good, but maybe not in the case of like Lago Vista, for example, I think that's a quality team, but not necessarily. A, uh, a, a a a state championship contender. What happens when you face a state championship contender? Now, here's the good news. I don't know if there's another state championship contender uh, in Region Four.
1: Yeah. Maybe
0: maybe if you want to get like funky and think that if you think Devine's got it, then then all more power to you. If you think Ingleside's got it, more power to you. I don't know if I necessarily buy that. And so I would say that for Wimberley, they've got a nice draw in the region. My concern would be when they run into a team from Region Three, which is in my opinion clearly a superior region to region four what happens now here's the good news they only got to play one of them but you only got to play one of them and you're 48 minutes away from from at&t stadium and so i would install like right now i would just install the region three favorite or the region three champion as a favorite over region four uh, champion but um you know that's why they play the ball games and 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 if, if you want to flip it on its head the Wimberley has a knack for winning close games, and that's a skill. That's a skill you need to have, especially in the playoffs. So it's very. I'm I'm intrigued by Wimberley. I would like to see a little bit more kind of uh, ruthlessness from the Texans, kind of. But like at the same time, wins are wins, and they don't ask you how; they ask you how many.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you on region four, especially when I look at District 16. Did I, I, this first time I noticed this, Teb? The entire district clocked out for Week 11. They're done. Yeah. They're done because all four are going to the playoffs, but they're all they're all done. It's just a fourteen district. Now said, eh, yeah, we're good. We'll take the bye, yeah, well, and the entire district clocks out on the final week of the regular season." I've never seen that before.
0: Yeah, there's there's a handful of those. I mean, actually, there are not not of, of districts that do it, but like that is one thing that I'm certainly paying attention to is like teams that are going to have an open date heading into uh, heading into the playoffs. For example, Carthage. Carthage has a week eleven open date. Brownwood. No, they're sitting. Brownwood week eleven open date. They're going to they're gonna have an opportunity to get healthy before the games that really count and an opportunity to go out there and scout and advance scout with a lot of these teams. So I think they're like it's a risk, right, because you're running 10 straight weeks. But at the same time, if you can pull it off like teams like Carthage have and teams like Brown would have, then, yeah, you do get an opportunity to catch your breath get a little bit of an advanced scouting, give your guys a week off before it's like, all right, guys, second season starts this week, and we're going to have to put the pedal to the metal.
2: Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I was just saying, an entire. I've never heard of an entire district clocking out on the final yeah. week. That that was Yeah, that very, was weird. very
1: interesting.
2: Uh, uh, before we let you go, somebody asked, because I haven't heard any update on this, and I don't think you have either. Somebody mm-hmm. asking uh, in big capital letters, is the North Shore quarterback out for the season? <laughs> I haven't heard any update on Caleb Bailey. Have you?
0: I haven't heard anything. Uh, He's, he's, from what, from my point of view, he's out until I see him out there, and, and uh, we haven't seen him out there. They are, you know, now look. What's interesting is that I do feel like if we were going to see him in the regular season, we would have seen him last week against Atascosita. We didn't. David Amador played that entire game. Uh, they're not going to play him this week. There's nothing to play for. There's, they're, you know, obviously, they're, we dropped in the number two in the rankings, but who cares? You're going yeah, – everything's signed, sealed, and delivered for North Shore. They've already clinched the number one seed out of that district, so like you know, it doesn't really matter to them this, this week. So I would anticipate you're not going to see him this week. Uh, they're going to be, in my view, I haven't looked at who they draw in the first round, but uh, they're probably going to be heavy favorites in that game. I would say if he is available, the earliest you would see him would be the area round of the playoffs, uh, and I would even go so far as to say the third round uh, if, if he's available. But I don't know. Uh, it, you know, they are they're an interesting team because you are uh, they they got the win last week over Tascasita That's obviously really important, but. More importantly, like the offense did look, the reason we dropped them quite frankly to to number two was that the offense does look limited, plain and simple without Caleb Bailey. So uh, I I think that John case smart enough to understand that if he's, they're going to wait until they absolutely positively need him, if he's available at all. And so I would not anticipate seeing him for at least the next two weeks. Um, and, and then and then we'll really find out basically what his status is.
2: The answer to your question is it's going to be one of the Pasadena ISD schools. South Houston Memorial or Adobe that they see in by district they'll,
0: they'll be just fine.
2: Yeah. yeah. He's Greg Tepper, managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Follow him on Twitter at Tepper and of course uh, his uh, outstanding work there for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And uh, hey, I'll see on Friday night. Get ready to unwrap those packages.
0: I'm looking forward to it, partner.
2: All right. This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe with him. Snoop Daniel alongside. Speaking of Snoop, it's time now for us to bring you our Flex 30 updates. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay, I've been asked a a lot about this, and I'm not going to get into it today because of our timing thing, but folks are wanting to know about tiebreakers with districts, and and, and we'll get to that uh, before the week is done. Probably on Thursday uh, we'll get into more detail on that. So uh, just to let you know, we'll we'll break it all down for you, certainly, as we go to that. However, Snoop is ready to break down some All-Flex Volleyballers.
1: For y- yes and i won't indulge y'all too long but you can go to flxatx.com libero for those who aren't familiar with volleyball libero is the person who looks funny on the court because they have that different color jersey and they never jump up to spike it because from the rules they aren't allowed so for the volleyball they're setting correct so the liberos uh we added three all of them are in playoff games tonight Includes late Travis's Emily Contreras, Westwood's Lola Fernandez, and Rouse's Mary Sherping. So uh, go to flxatx.com. We'll have all the playoff coverage for you and we'll continue to roll out our watch list.
2: There you go. Alright, there's our Flex 30 update. Time now for our number two Longhorn Notebook. Jeff
1: Howe's Longhorn Notebook.
2: A Longhorn Notebook that is brought to you by Erin Bowersock, the home loan expert. Be sure to check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. See if she can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that's to get that home loan approval turned around just like that. After all, it's the home of the 10-day loan approval guarantee. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Before Jeff has his things, just to let uh, folks know a couple of things. First of all, reminder, season premiere of Longhorn Weekly with Chris Beard tonight. From Pluckers, the West Campus location, uh, that comes your way uh, this evening at 7 o'clock live if you want to come out there for that. And and then tomorrow we'll have a regular taping at 6.30 of Longhorn Weekly with Coach Sark. So back-to-back nights at Pluckers, the West Campus location. and Back-to-back nights at Pluckers is never a bad thing. Uh, and then there's been one adjustment with the Fall World Series for the Longhorn baseball team. Uh, they will still play 6 o'clock Friday night. Uh, th- excuse me, Thursday. 6 o'clock, Thursday night. Then it'll be Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock and Sunday afternoon at 2. So it goes Thursday, Friday, Sunday. And all three games open to the public, admission-free, and uh, parking in East Campus Garage complimentary on behalf of Texas Athletics if you want to see the end of the fall campaign there, the Fall World Series this weekend.
3: You want to know something about Chris Beard real quick? Yeah. Remember how I told you guys? At some point, I was going to ask Chris Beard what he thought about animal humor. I remember that I asked him at Big Twelve Media Day in Kansas City a How couple weeks go? ago. Um, I think he he was not biting on it. Okay, and then but then I described to him the Geico commercial with the bear shoveling the honey into the yeah. basket, and he kind of laughed. I'm like, see, see, he's like. He's like, you know how my. He said, "You know how my mind works." He said, "Let me give it some time. I, I, I might have a different answer for you down the road." Okay, all right, yeah. So I think it, it's got the chance to grow on him. Animal <laughs> on him Okay, um, and I don't know if you want to bring that up on Longhorn Weekly, Craig, but that's you know that's to you do with that what you will. Okay, um, I want to talk about the K State quarterbacks because right now. Uh, it's uncertain which one's going to play whether it's going to be will howard or adrian martinez whether adrian martinez is healthy or not but sark was asked yesterday uh about preparing for both k-state quarterbacks and like he did for the well, he for the oklahoma game he said they were preparing for dylan gabriel but they yep. had the extra week they've got film on will howard they've got film on adrian martinez so naturally they are preparing for both um yeah we are preparing for both we have to um i think you know that you know, obviously the style of player that that Adrian Martinez is uh, in the quarterback run game is a real factor in the success they had with him uh, and then obviously will Howard and his ability to really throw the ball and push the ball down the field so uh, we're fortunate like I said that we've had two weeks uh, to kind of prepare we're able to get some extra reps on this but uh, you know whichever guy plays they're both good players and you know they could both be healthy and they both could play we don't know so we got to be ready for both oddly enough, all right, so there it is. There's start talking about both quarterbacks. I do think, Craig, one thing that I'll give Colin Klein, which by the way, it's really weird now that Colin Klein's a play caller at K yeah. State. not that but about a, de- a decade removed from when he was Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year, leading K State to a conference championship. Uh, I think he's done a really good job of playing to the strengths of both guys. If you look at Adrian Martinez specifically, what he's done on the ground. Uh, he does have the high, even a higher run grade right now than Deuce Vaughn. Uh, if you look mm-hmm. at pro football focus, uh, and a run grade of 85.1. Uh, scramble yards has been a big thing for him. Uh, 154 scramble yards on 14 scrambles. Uh, but overall this season, when you look at what he's done on the ground, 615 yards, averaging 7.1 per carry, nine rushing touchdowns. If you watch that offense, Craig, when he is in the game, it looks a lot like the old Bill Snyder offense that Dana Dimmel called when Colin Klein was playing quarterback. A lot of those same design runs, a lot of the quarterback counters, quarterback lead type stuff, uh, which is really it's, it's fun to watch knowing that Colin Klein's calling the plays and how similar it looks. One thing that he's done with Will Howard, though, they've thrown the football a lot with yeah. Will Howard. It's not banging their head against the wall, trying to make the run game work like we saw last year, even though Will Howard did have – that 71-yard touchdown run against Texas, which it's interesting. Like, we knew Sark was frustrated with some of the stuff on defense last year, and it seemed like that was kind of the breaking point for him. That was the straw that broke the camel's back because there were some guys on that defense where maybe you questioned some effort, and there were some guys after that play, we didn't see much of them after that Will Howard touchdown run. But one thing that's really interesting, Craig, about the K-State passing game is how just their ability and willingness to take deep shots. With Will Howard in a quarterback, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, on passes of twenty yards or more down the field, Will Howard's eight of thirteen this year throwing the ball twenty yards or more down the field. Wow, two hundred twenty-six yards and three touchdown passes. Three of his touchdown, three of his six touchdown passes have come on deep shots down the field. So uh, you do need to prepare for both because you are going to see two different offenses depending on which guy is in the game. So just keep that in mind depending on who's playing quarterback for K State, and I believe. Chris Kleiman has his news conference today. He I does. Think that's going on uh, right around, probably right around the top of the hour. I think uh,
2: is when. Y- he does yeah, it. He, or, or he does it like at twelve thirty. But they start doing interviews and stuff at the top. You are correct about that. Uh, so though, but you know, it'll be interesting to see what he says about his quarterback situation. If they, you know, do you that old thing about riding the hot hand, or you know, going back to the other guy if he's ready to go. We've had that conversation in these parts.
3: Yeah, I I think it's interesting, though, with Texas. I I wonder if you go with Will Howard just not knowing the availability of guys in the secondary, knowing Ryan Watts is dealing with the – it was a cat? I think it was the calf or the hamstring. I can't remember which one it is for Ryan Watts. But then Anthony Cook's got the the broken arm, and can he cast it up and go? Knowing how pivotal those two guys have been on the back end for Texas, and if they can't go, you're probably going to see some combination. Like probably Michael Taft will be first out at safety, uh, and then one of the freshmen. Whether or you could move Jade Barron to corner and let Gilbo play that star position. I'm sure you can see Austin Jordan or Terrence Brooks at corner. Um, I wonder if that's enough because it's really tough to run the ball against Texas, like we talked about it. Even even though Texas has given up scramble yards this year and running quarterbacks, as they are for everybody, have been a little bit of a problem. I do wonder, though, if the vulnerability right now, the Texas secondary, the Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein, they might lean a little bit more toward Will Howard. Mm.
2: It's a thought. And and in either case, uh, we're talking about a good challenge for the Longhorn defense.
3: Put it this way, if Martinez can't go, they're not going to lose sleep over starting Will Howard in this game.
2: Yeah, they'd be okay with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Think so, uh, all right. So, there it is. There's your uh, Longhorn notebook for this hour. Got a few more notes we'll get to when we come back here with Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049 1019 AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at HornFM.com. Bucky and Eric. those
3: watching too many of those National Geographic deals with. Thanks for details.
1: Craig Way, Jeff Howe, and Snoop Daniel. Light the Tower.
2: Getting ready to wrap it up here. On this uh, Tuesday, um, a- a- as I mentioned, um, as the uh, week progresses, um, maybe I can do it tomorrow as well. Um, we'll uh, try to dive into in the Flex 30 segment some of those playoff scenarios uh, because they're pretty common. And not just 25 6 by the way, which is, which is a hot mess. We know that. And could wind up a hot mess as well, but uh, some other ones as well. I, I mentioned one when Greg Tepper was on with us. That, that district that has LaGrange and Smithville in there, uh, that, other than Cuero, below it, it could be kind of messy and there's some other stuff in there. Uh, Georgetown could finish as high as number two or as low as number four in the district based on the outcome of their game with Cedar Park. So um, so those are, those are some other things to uh, keep in mind. We do know that... That's yeah.
1: my favorite Week 11 game, Georgetown-Cedar Park.
2: Is it? Yeah, be a good one. That's 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 a critical one. No no question about it. I'll, I'll give you another one. Ralph Elgin.
1: Yeah. Oh my lord, that's a playoff game. In the how
2: do we avoid LBJ Bowl? Yeah. You know, because the winner of that game uh, is not it, the the loser of the game is going to have to play LBJ in by district.
1: And I would also say on the other flip side of that coin that that whatever program emerges is going to be the best team that LBJ has played since, like, September. Let
2: let me also say this, too. That's not completely set in stone what I just said because there was a point differential involved. I was texting with Coach Mann last night about this. So I was doing it just like uh, Thomas Jones and Rick Cantu were doing with their their good uh, breakdown of the tiebreakers in the area districts. We were all doing that stuff yesterday, trying to find out,
3: doing some number crunching. And finding out, get over to Horns twenty four seven. A lot of good stuff on the site. Uh, you got you got some Blitz coming columns, recruiting. Yes, Longhorn Blitz podcast will be back. Matt right. Butler's back from the dead, so actually going to go step in and record that as soon as we're off the air here. So look for that later today.
2: All right, we're going to look for that. For that, thanks to uh, Lake Travis Cavaliers head coach Hank Carter for joining us. Thanks as well to Greg Tepper from Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine for joining us. So there's a lot to get to. Uh, as the week progresses. We invite you to. Yeah, indeed. Busy Wednesday coming up tomorrow for my co-host Jeff Howe, for our guy behind the glass. It's new Danny. I'm Craig Way. Inviting you. Stay tuned. Up next, Chad and Zay, We'll visit with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here on Life.